Welcome to the Worship Central Podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. So coming up on this episode, we have live chat kicked off by Nick Drake, and we're going to be looking at the link between prayer and worship. We've got a song feature, a guest interview, and of course, Take It to the Bridge, songwriting tips with Nick Herbert. Okay, so prayer and worship. What is going on when we get together to pray and to worship? Mm. What happens when faith is released in the room through our prayers, through our worship? One of the passages I've been thinking about recently is Paul's writings to the Ephesians in chapter one. I'm going to read out a bit of this and then just talk really briefly about some of the things that are going on in it to help us. So Ephesians 1, uh, 15 to 19, Paul writes this. He says, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. And Paul in this passage has heard about the people's faith um, or perhaps more accurately faithfulness in the Lord Jesus. So they're not just like people who've converted to Christianity, but it's almost like they've taken a further step into the faithfulness of Jesus, into this experiential realm where they know in their experiential being, right in their heart, the reality of his death and resurrection and the spirits flowing of that power into their lives. And, and I think, certainly from my experience and our experience, you know, that's what happens in, in, in spending time together in prayer and worship, isn't it? That you, that you freshly experience uh, the life of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. It's flowing into you, to put it in, in slang language in some way. And, and this passage is really helpful because Paul articulates, I think, a bit about the dynamics of how this happens. He says, um, he prays that the Spirit would deposit in us wisdom and revelation. Uh, that, that it's almost like the Spirit comes alongside us and is waiting to deposit into us, to give us a gift um, of two things. First of all, Sophia, wisdom, which means day-to-day uh, wisdom for practical living. So your everyday steps with the Lord, when, 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 when the eyes of your heart are open through prayer and worship, the Spirit wants to put into your life afresh, day-to-day wisdom for living in God's ways. And then secondly, the Spirit is wanting to deposit in us uh, revelation, Paul writes, uh, the word apocalypsis, which means kind of insight into God's long-range plans and purposes. So as we come to worship, as we spend time in prayer, Paul is talking about the eyes of our heart, the spiritual eyes being opened into this new sense of faith and uh, experiential reality of the life of Jesus, Mm. bringing two things, day-to-day wisdom and long-range insight into what God is doing through Jesus and then how that intertwines with your own life. Mm. 
So, I mean, that is such an exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. And when you experience that in prayer and worship, it, it, it's just absolutely life transforming mm. because you're suddenly aware, you know, that, that we're not living a religion out. We're living a romance out. We're mm. living an adventure mm-hmm. out where God wants to speak to us in the day-to-day wisdom and in the long-range plans and purposes. And that's why prayer and worship are so exciting. Like, yes, they're a discipline, but, but also they're an exciting adventure mm. that you, you don't want to miss out on. You know, and those nights when you're like, oh, shall I go along to the central prayer night at church? Shall I go along on a Sunday? I want to stay in bed. You go because it's an adventure, because it's a romance, because God is waiting by his spirit to deposit in you fresh wisdom and revelation. Mm. He's waiting to open the eyes of your heart to see spiritual reality as he wants you to see them. Mm. And, And in this passage, just to come into land, you sense Paul's excitement. I think, as he writes this truth, this amazing truth. And of course, Paul, on the road to Damascus, has been blown away by the power of the Spirit Mm. and the resurrection of Jesus. And he wants to impart that to everyone, that there's this experiential reality there. There's more. There's more. You know, that we've got everything in Christ, but there's more coming by the power of the Spirit. And prayer and worship, uh, I think, are one of the key ways we access that more. And so, I guess to get us going on discussion, like... Because what we're talking about here is faith, Mm. really, as well. Faith in the things unseen, the eyes of our hearts being opened to more of God. Uh, What do you do as leaders of prayer and worship? What do we do as facilitators of corporate prayer, corporate worship, Mm. to help release faith, Mm. to help steer people to this more of the Lord and the eyes of their hearts being opened? So good. I mean, brilliant, Nick. And I think straight away, in my mind, it's like a great prayer to be praying before we lead worship yeah. for our worship teams, but also as we look out in our church, those that we're leading, um, whether it's Sunday morning or as you said, central prayer night or whatever it is, you know, I want all these things, not just for myself, but as I look out, I want these things for our church. You know, I want um, people to come and um, to be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want their eyes um, of their hearts to be enlightened. I want all that stuff. I want um, God's power to be manifest in the room. Um, so I guess for me, like, it's just challenged me to go, oh, as a worship leader, I could use this as a prayer mm. before I lead worship. Um, and uh, we were talking before, like, actually, it's great to pray as a worship team before and after around some of these things. Just, to, again, encourage the guys in our team to be going after this stuff that, yeah, faith rises. It's um, We're going after what God has in store for us as we gather um, after all, that's what he promises, right? That he'll be there to your mother gathered in his name. So um, that's a great challenge um, for, for worship leaders. Yeah, I, I think one of the things we often misunderstand prayer is simply asking God for stuff. And so there's a steady emphasis on, I guess, coming and saying, God, would you do this? Would you change this? Would you, you know, we pray for countries, we pray for people who are sick, we pray, you know. Shopping list. Yeah, <clears throat> and that is a part of prayer but I I know I've sat in prayer meetings um where we've had lots of worship and people are but we haven't prayed (laughs) and Mm. and, but actually it's the devotional piece of prayer as well about Mm. filling our minds with who Jesus is aligning our hearts with him you know the uh, centering around his presence and I guess that's where that begins to give sight perspective certainly you know revelation um I don't know, Nick, you've been leading lots of prayer meetings. Um, what would you say around that, about, I guess, the diet of prayer, the different styles of prayer, and the 
kind of connection between worship and prayer? I mean, I think one of the things about prayer meetings as well, and when you're talking about faith and raising faith and wanting to go on this journey where we're just open to the Spirit of God, uh, there's this real um, dynamic that goes on, which is somewhere between waiting, being unbelievably hands-off, allowing God just to move and do whatever he wants to do. And on one hand, if you're leading a meeting like that, I found that can be really helpful. It's so important. On the other hand, you've got to have these moments when you're willing to charge forward mm. and sort of press into the things of God and, and kind of follow him in that way. And, and it seems to be like that in ex- our experience of following God personally like that. Sometimes it feels like you're kind of chasing you know, where he's going and he's saying, come, follow me, let's go. Other times, you know you've just got to sit back and wait and allow him to move. And that can be one of the dilemmas when it comes to prayer meetings because I'm a big fan of, you know, when it comes to, say, an early morning prayer meeting, I like there to be a lot of energy because I just know naturally we'll come into that room, we'll feel tired. So at a human level, Mm. I'll be feeling like, come on, let's just do this as if we're doing it for 4,000 people, even if there's only four of us. We're just going to raise the roof. Let's go. And that might be wrong, and that might be the wrong thing to do, but I found that kind of we all get, you know, we sort of lift ourselves Mm. into this moment. It's like you step into this moment where you say, right, we're going to go for this. We're going to press into God. And maybe sometimes, because we've been so exhausted by the initial momentum, we all just rest in the presence of the Lord a little bit later on. And it's a bit like that for worship leading, isn't it? There's the moments where you're just kind of watching, mm. waiting, God, do whatever you want to do. Um, and then you've got to lead the charge. So I think practically as well, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, look, I've been put in charge, I've got to lead some stuff. I've got to sort of help draw my church, my situation into a greater state and awareness of just growing in faith. Mm. I'd really encourage you to be thinking about both of those things, whatever the context you are moving in and working in. Keep the energy level high, but don't be afraid to wait. Let God move. I think one of the other things that I've been struck by when you've led prayer meetings as well, Nick, and when we've you know, try to stretch these um, muscles of prayer is is to like go a bit longer. You know, sometimes it feels like we we reach our kind of minute max and it's like, oh, let's keep going. Let's And struck again here by what Paul's saying to the church in Ephesus, you know, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and I guess, so that there was a reputation for the church in Ephesus that, that they had this faith. And I think that's something that, you know, even as worship teams as well, we want to be known for, we want to be known as people who are going after. And I think, Tim, you touched on this either last episode or the one before, you know, that we want to be known as worship leaders who are hungry. Mm. And um, and that's almost like the best gift that we can give our churches, right? To be worship leaders who are hungry, to go after what God has for us, you know. And I think just that stretch of like, let's go a bit longer or let's linger in the presence a bit longer. Let's um, just sing out for a little bit longer, whatever it is. What's that stretch point that can increase our faith? I, I was actually, um, I can't remember, I was listening or watching, or I, I, particularly in America, a, a lot of the guys who are sort of leading worship now, particularly through Bethel or some of these movements, Corey Asbury, some of these guys, actually they cut their teeth leading worship through prayer rooms, a lot of IHOP. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something really interesting that, that you know, they're exercising. Um, amazing songs but leading the prophetic but almost where they learnt was just in a room with I mean I don't know what the programs were like but I imagine they're sort of smaller groups at times but just for hours and it's that thing of growing the muscle of devotion adoration time with God 
Um, and I, I, I worry sometimes, not worry, but I think it's harder where a lot of worship leaders, particularly perhaps in the UK, they, they learn through a 20-minute, 25-minute thing on a Sunday where yeah. it's quite high-pressured and you've got to get the songs, you've got to be aware of all the guests. Da, da, da. Where, where are those spaces where it's like spacious listening, singing, learning, leading? I think that's we, should, we need more of those spaces for people to grow. Yeah. yeah, and also as a worship leader, it can be tempting to kind of go, well, I'll do my bit, I'll do the songs, and then someone else can take the responsibility mm. for leading prayer. Mm. And I remember mm. I used to hate talking on a microphone. I could sing on a microphone but not mm. talk. And I remember hearing Pete Gregg say, you can't be a prayer leader without being a worship leader and vice versa. You can't mm. be a worship leader without being a prayer leader. And it was really real mind shift for me of like, oh no, hang on a sec. When I'm leading worship, I'm leading prayer. And that might go out of singing and that might lead into another moment. And in that moment, I'm going to have the authority and, and the conviction and the boldness to do that. Mm. And just another thing, um, you know, how how we grow in, and it's, you know, it's amazing watching Nick lead and the way he takes risks and how he knows when to wait and when to charge forward, you know, is is amazing. It's a real gift, but it comes through through practice and through um, through taking those risks and, and not being afraid to get it wrong. And also I remember asking someone as well, you know, wanting to grow in, in risk-taking and in, in all this worship leading and prayer stuff. And she just said, um, you know, the way you grow in risk-taking uh, in your worship leading or in your upfront leading is by taking more risks away from the stage when you're not leading. So where are, where are those places that we're stepping out in prayer in uh in our day-to-day lives and praying for someone random on the street or you know at our workplace or where are we leading people into encounter in those other places i mean i I feel off the back of that you know um makes me think about when as a team we were leading worship on the streets a bit here in birmingham and (coughs) coming in to church off the back of those it felt like leading worship in church was like so easy you know because we're all meant to be like into worship, you know, in church. And it, it it was almost like for the team, because we'd it's like an athlete, right? When you stretch your muscle, when you overstretch it, you kind of breaking the fibers down, it, it rebuilds stronger. And um I think that was the same for us here, that stretching that muscle of worship and prayer out on the streets, coming into the church, it felt like we we've we've gone somewhere we've done some work, like we've progressed. Um so that that could be something great mm, to push into. Yeah. And I think one of the things um, that's emerging from the discussion is is the the confidence of the leader as well. You know, mm. we talked about Nick's talked about when do you charge forward and what, what you guys have just said there as well. And I think that that's what this passage as well and what what scripture gives you is that that spiritual leadership ability, like you've been saying, like to that wherever whether you've got a guitar in front of you or a microphone or not. Like that everyone, everyone's called to mm. be confident in Jesus, to yeah. be confident right. in what the Spirit wants to do and to step out and step forward out of that place. That, that, and that, that for me has been such a, a source and resource of self-confidence that mm. comes from God confidence. Yeah. You know, that where I've maybe lacked confidence to lead, when you base your life on the truth of Scripture like this, and this is where Scripture comes into prayer and worship, isn't it? It's the foundation yes. that we just leap off you know, because Paul is so excited about the possibilities that can happen when the eyes of our hearts are opened in a faithful community. Mm. And it's contagious and it refuels you to lead meetings in that way, to, mm. to lead prayer 
uh, to be a congregation member in that way within prayer and worship times, to, yeah. to, to be confidently singing out, confidently contributing as the Spirit leads. If um, public worship, leading of worship, basically springs from private devotion, I'd be interested, maybe each could say real quick, one tip of how you've grown in your prayer life to mm. edify your public ministry what would you say yeah one of the things i've been doing more recently is this thing called the tabernacle prayer um which i think is quite an old uh, method of prayer but something i only clocked onto quite recently and essentially um it takes you through the old testament uh tabernacle like you know you going to the brazen altar and then uh or sorry you start at the gate and then going to the altar and basically through these different stations of prayer and so it starts with um thanksgiving and praise and then leads into repentance and then time just spent in the presence of god and and anyway it, it really um inspires much a much deeper sense of just dwelling with the lord as well as kind of those spaces to to petition, to kind of say, no, I need to ask for this and I need to uh, intercede for this person. Because sometimes I feel like when I come to pray, there's just like so much to pray for. You know, it's like every family member, I've got to intercede for the church and and we've got to be, you know, prophetic and asking what God wants to do coming up. Whereas this is a really helpful, structural, um, but uh, very holistic way of coming before the Lord. And, and yeah, I found that really profound, actually. And um, has brought about a real deepening in my prayer life. Um, something that I've really enjoyed over the years is going away once a term to a retreat um, place. You know, last term I went to a monastery and it was just fantastic. Spent the whole day with these monks <laughs> and, we, and, and I had this room uh, to myself where I could just go and pray, worship and I I love those days because essentially there's no agenda for me. The the only agenda on that day is is whatever God's wanting to do in my heart um with my life just to say God please reset me completely like and and often I'll spend the first hour of that day in silence and just waiting on God and it's in those moments that one just becomes so much more aware of his presence you know, where it's hard to always be aware of God's presence when you're sort of really busy and rushing around. Uh, but then, um, and then there'll usually be a library in these retreat centers and I'll run off at some point during the day and, and just grab a few books that I just feel led to get hold of. Um, and they'll, um, and, and just go as the spirit leads during the day, but then learn from these books that, you know, just, just go wherever it goes. And I think I found those days to be super useful at the end of every time I've been away. I will sit down and write down my reflections on the day. And I just can't believe I've got pages full of notes of just nuances of how I've heard God and seen him. Sometimes I've fallen asleep on those days. And that's been the very thing that I've needed to do is just rest in God's presence. But, well, that's my excuse for it anyway. But I've, I've loved those kind of times away. One of the things I do is, um, like the sort of visual things. So I've, for each day, I've got different themes that I'll pray for. So like today, I pray for the staff team. So I've got pictures of you all, sit down, pray over people. Oh, but even actually sometimes, without this sounding too creepy, just looking at people. No, it sounds creepy. <laughs> it sounds creepy. It sounds creepy. But you know, the, the, the thing around, the danger of sometimes prayer always having to be our words and yeah. our activity, yeah. but actually that restfulness, you talk about sleeping, mm. justifying it. But, um, <laughs> But actually just being able to look at the people you love and just mm. 
um, pray for them, you know. Mm. So, I, and then, you know, Wednesdays I pray for worship central, Thursdays pray mm. for, you know, different things that helps me stop from just praying the same prayer mm. every mm. single day. Yeah. Mm. I just want to throw a left field thing in. Ooh. My little wooden cross. Which you got for me for Christmas. Yeah, I got I you on for Christmas too. <laughs> holding in my prayers as well. So, so, the, so these obviously, because we have different traditions and, and in kind of our more kind of charismatic traditions, you know, we're not so into always these kind of items, but actually I found it so helpful in the last, like seriously. In Is the this last, merchandise that you're no, selling? No, yeah, no, well, no, no, $2.99, <laughs> uh, get in touch, nick.drake. But um, I found it so helpful. What I did, I had this season where I just tried to carry it everywhere with me, like not in a bag, but in a pocket or in an item of clothing near me. And, and so that like, just like you find your phone in your pocket or something, like it's there. Mm. And the idea is of these little crosses is that, that you can hold it and, and you, you get this tangible, like real physical mm. sense of Jesus with you. And it, what I used it for was just a reminder that everything I'm doing is, is for him and it isn't like just a normal job. Mm. You know, I've not just happened to work for a church. Mm. Like, and just, it's just a maintaining yeah. a focus, whether that's sitting at the desk or whether that's leading a, a public meeting. It's just that, mm. that reminder of focus. And I think, again, like you're saying, prayer can be more creative, like th- th- that kind of example. Mm. Find other ways other than just sitting down and stopping yeah. for carrying prayer with you in the day. Mm. Luke, what's your top tip? Something I've got recently, actually Anna gave me for my birthday at the end of 2019 was um, these ESV um, scripture journals, which I love because yeah. basically every page is a blank page next to it. And so the idea being that each year, hopefully I can come back as I journal my prayers next to the scriptures, I can look back, but also like add more in. So um, check those out. They're really um, beautifully like presented as well. They look amazing and, you know, super hipster and all that. Just to end, I was, I've been reading through Revelation. And uh, I was really struck by this, Revelation 8, just all these kind of weird seventh seals and golden censers and angels. But it says this, Revelation 8.3, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne, the throne is where Jesus, the lamb, is sitting. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. That just blew me away mm. that actually these prayers we pray yeah. Yeah. Uh, right here and now, they're connecting with heaven. They're kind of the smoke going up before God and just that they're not kind of random things said into sort of thin air. They're actually in heaven, they're creating a fragrance mm. and a sense of awareness with God. And I just think... And again, the, the the beautiful thing about prayer and worship, connecting heaven and earth. Mm. And one of the things I'd love to encourage worship leaders, musicians, is don't just focus on your musicianship and the production and the excellence of what you deliver yes. on a Sunday. Yeah. Go deep in prayer and worship because that will open our eyes yeah. to the greater yes. thing of what worship is about. Our song of the month is Kingdom of God, which was written by Luke and Nick Herbert, Willie Weeks and Jonas Myron. Let's have a quick listen. God our Father We are on our knees The prayer of many All through history Come Lord Jesus Spirit, 
that's Kingdom of God. It'd be great to sat here with Luke and Nick. Guys, tell us how did the song come about? Mm. Well, we uh, wrote this a while back, didn't we, Nick? At a retreat, um, we were in a session, us two with Willie Weeks. And I remember actually it was, it was a late, late night session, oh, wasn't yeah. it? And um, we were in this amazing barn and Will is just an absolute whiz kid on um, producing and programming and strings and all that. And he just began to um, formulate this track. And obviously songs just come out about in completely different ways. And this one was probably more sort of musically inspirational initially. And I just remember us kind of bandying around all these ideas, like what does this music make us feel? Um, and uh, we just landed on these um, these things that we wanted to say and it became clear like the song was about this longing, about this desire to see um, God's kingdom here on earth. And, and we really went through the mill on this one, didn't we, in terms of lyrics? Like, I think we probably had 20 drafts of this song. Um, and we got to a point where we were, we were really loving the song, but it felt like we needed some fresh input on it. And, um, and we just felt this guy, Jonas, who many people will know of, um, great songwriter, um, he fell in love with the song as well and was really pumped about um, in, inputting to it. And so... Um, what did he input? How, what, how did that work? Well, why don't you say, Nick, and, and whilst we're chatting, actually, I'm going to try and find an old voice memo of how the song developed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I seem to remember Jonas heard the song and then just um he, he just managed to take it from being a good song to a lot better <laughs> somehow like just by listening to the chorus and just elevating it somehow i think he got i think what he did really well is he just captured the heart of the song in the chorus and what well, did you help me understand what you mean <clears throat> <laughs> well what did he does he change melody and how did i'm just interested with the songwriting process he changed the, the melody. In. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. He changed the melody um, in the chorus and just, I think, made some of the lyrics just flow a little mm. bit better than they were. I think we're all just feeling... We'd, we'd hit that point in, in the song where it just felt beautiful, felt yeah. like something epic. The whole idea with, with the song was initially thinking about this kind of like um, something you might play on a film, you know, this soundtrack, this beautiful yeah. Yeah. big strings and... I think we've just reached a point where we knew there was so much emotion in it. We just didn't know how to draw that out to the maximum. And I think Jonas came in, if I remember, it was quite a while ago, but he, he, I think, listened to the chorus, didn't he, and really just, just elevated that with a few lyrics and melodies, just made them a little bit tighter and a little bit more singable and a bit more straightforward and obvious. Um, and then he worked a bit on the... the Bridge as the well, bridge, yeah, and yeah. I think this is where I think with some kind of songwriting 101, you know, someone can come in, hear what you're trying to do in the song, and and kind of um, fine tune it to a point where um, you're actually trying to make the most of the theme. And I remember him with the chorus; he really sort of um, pared some things down, and and we landed on this, you know, we need you now. Um, your presence, your power. And that was like, it, it was like we had all these things kind of up in the air and he just somehow, I, I guess, put his finger on the pulse of the song. Um, and for me, the bridge um, kind of summed it up. And um, some of the my favorite lyrics actually that, that 
I've been a part of writing more recently, your kingdom come, your will be done in our lifetime for a lifetime, kingdom of God alive in us from beginning to forever. And, um, you know, in the verse it talks about, you know, the rule and reign of Christ and all these things like picturing what do we want to see on the earth? And, um, and with the, the soundtrack, the music um, that, that went with it, we just, it felt like, oh, we landed on something that captured um, our heart's cry in that in that season so coming full circle as well just this whole episode about worship and prayer this really is a prayer isn't mm. it that's where it starts it was like we want to pray something out that you know we need you now god we mm. just want to see your kingdom come yeah. and i think that's can so often be the starting point for songs as well and nick final question quickly um what is the etiquette for drawing in another writer so you luke willie writing a song what is the etiquette for drawing in a fourth person because that affects things mm. I think in, I think where it works best is if you feel like, say there's three of you and, and you've thought, we've really tried to make this work. We know there's something great here, but I wonder if we need to get someone else involved to help us. I think it's really important to just let other people know, who've, you know who are part of the song already. Like, hey, how do you feel about this? Drawing someone yeah. else in. Um, because obviously that can change maybe the outcome of the song with suddenly four people involved rather than three and... I, I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, if we if you can do that as a good working practice, I think it's very very helpful for the other writers as well because then they know, you know, there's not just one person who's sort of shooting off somewhere doing all sorts of things before you know there's 17 people involved in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying, look, what do you think? Do you think do you, do you have the energy to work a bit more on this, or should we see if someone does it? And, and I've found over time as well when you do that, if you do then open it up to someone else, um, what sometimes comes back is wow, I love the song. I'd love to be a part of this. Give me some time. Let me work on it. At other times, what comes back is, is I, I don't really feel like there's anything I could add or it's just not quite right for me. And, you know, it's great. You've asked a question. It didn't quite go there. It remains with the three of you. Maybe you need to ask someone else. Mm. So I think that's the kind of etiquette I found that mm. works best. Brilliant. Well, guys, it's a great song. Uh, hear a version on Luke and Anna, Hellebron's album, Motions of Mercy, uh, Spotify, Last Kingdom of God. It's great to have Brian Dirksen here. We're in Canada. We're in Edmonton. It's been minus 25 degrees, freezing cold, but beautiful. And Brian, uh, many will know, written some of the most amazing songs, Faithful One, uh, I Lift My Eyes Up, uh, Come Now's a Time to Worship, to name a few. And uh, Brian, I'd love to ask you a few questions around this idea of intimacy and worship. Vineyard, which is a movement you part of for many years, profoundly pioneered the way in intimacy and worship. And be interested to hear what you think of, what does that mean to you? It's always been the heart for me. It's always been the thing that, um, believing that if we're created in the image of God and if the, the Trinitarian, you know, community of God, that is this friendship, is this relationship, and we are invited in that then worship and all the various expressions of what that is, is got to have the heart of intimacy right there. Like, and I, I kind of believed this as a boy, but didn't feel like I saw it yeah. manifest in the church really. And um, dreamed about it as a as a teenager, and 
in my 20s started to see it more. And I'm what sure, did that look like? Well, I, I, I think it, 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 it looked like a, a little bit of a change in both language of what, what our sung prayers were, what, what the words we would use. They were, instead of singing about God and mm-hmm. singing doctrine, mm-hmm. we were singing to God our hearts, our yearning. And obviously this, this is, of course, very rooted in the Psalms, yeah. you know. Yeah. But so it's not like there's nothing new. But I think what happens is we go through seasons of history in, in, in the church where we, we focus, we think, okay, the, the secret is to get all of our doctrinal things in order. And now we kind of harness the power of music and mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to take our our academics and our all of that, which I I love scholarship yeah, and I love yeah. all of that. But we're going to like just kind of take that and we're going to sing that. And I just I think, you know, there's a there's a time and place for theology, for doctrine, to discuss it, to explore it. But I think this this when the community gathers to worship God, that what the most important thing is that our hearts that we that this this encounter happens that we reveal our heart to God and God mm. reveals his heart mm. to us yeah well and what was some of the sort of fruit you've seen of, of having that as a core value of worship that intimacy with God I think it 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 brings a a freedom mm. a transparency a laying aside of pretense you know, like pretending, you know, like, because you can't sustain intimacy um, pretending Mm -hmm. or lying, you know, Mm -hmm. like as in any marriage or in any, you know, good friendship, even Mm -hmm. like you, when you're vulnerable with each other, you, so I think, I I think it, the result of that is, is health. Mm. I think it's um, safety. Mm. Hmm. Right, like that. Yeah. You're, you can be safe. You can you can reveal your heart, and it's a safe place because um, others around you are, are 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 engaged in that too, and you're and you're supporting each other. It's, yeah. it's about creating an environment of love. I think it's brilliant. What, what would you say? Um, uh, we were talking earlier. A lot of events, um, or maybe the the emphasis has shifted much more to intensity. Mm-hmm. It's kind of big, which. In some ways, there's something amazing about that kind of anthemic, huge mm-hmm. confidence in God. Stadiums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you, are there any concerns or critiques or comments you'd have around maybe a, a shift towards mm-hmm. a much more intense mm-hmm. 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 oh. expression? Well, I think what's happened is we've started to value and practice intensity mm. instead of valuing and practicing intimacy. And it's in some ways it's a subtle shift, mm. but in some ways it ha- for me it has fairly big implications at yeah. times. And see, one of the things about see like truth, like real theological truth, is almost always a paradox, mm-hmm. right? So there's like you know um, there's praise and then there's lament. There's there's um, Imminence and transcendence. So like mm. the, these things, 
like and but what happens with the intensity thing is there's not room for paradox right there's only room for the one and not for the other like yeah. if we talk about praise and the roar kind of of some of what people are trying to create in these events to mm. in order to for quote unquote a breakthrough but in my mind the breakthrough happened 2000 years ago mm. yeah. through the coming of Christ and through the, the 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 veil being torn and through this opening of a way for intimacy for mm. heart to heart for relational a relational religion if you want to call it that a I know religion's a loaded word yeah, so yeah. you know but you yeah. know like it's it's about hearts and um, and now part of this is actually a result of what happened in song structure so mm. if you study the history of of the, the development and evolution of song structure and how we went from triple A kind of hymn-like yeah. folk yeah. songs to the AABA, and then you eventually get to the verse chorus, and then you get to the, eventually the verse chorus, it's not enough mm. yeah. to have the chorus payoff. You need to have the bridge after the second <laughs> chorus, and yeah. it has to go even bigger. Yeah. So what starts happening almost like psychologically is we start keeping on going up and down this ramp, yeah. going yeah. for this climactic kind mm -hmm. of release. Yeah. And, and I, I think while sometimes it's good and it's right to sing a song and make it go big, yeah. Yeah. we almost get addicted to that cycle. Yeah. And then we start losing, this is a relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, this isn't like a drug where yeah, we're yeah. going for a new high and a higher high. Yeah. This is a, this is a, it's like in a marriage. It's like you have your, your, the partners, the husband and wife, they come together and they're different, but they're, they're face to face yeah. and they're, and they're listening to each other and mm. they're walking together and they're learning a rhythm of doing mm. life together. Yeah. And so, yeah. so if you, um, there's a final question is so helpful, but if you were to make one encouragement for worship leaders mm. thinking actually, okay, we need to dig a bit more into intimacy what mm. would you what would your advice be mm. well I, I i think it's it's partly it to do with song selection is giving ourselves more depth and breadth and and yeah. what we're selecting and not always going for the same thing even look at i talk about you know there's there's different eras when songs were written yeah you've got your new you've got your the last couple of decades you've got the last century you've got the 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 whole hymn era and then you've got the ancient songs like yeah. i think if if we have a good blend of all of those eras then we get away from what i call verse chorus bridge intensity fatigue mm, yeah right by by pulling in different songs from different eras yeah. um and then of course the other key thing is language mm. is that the the, the 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 lyrics that we're that we're including make room for both praise and lament for honesty for heart to heart yeah. language and you know just maybe sometimes step back and look at your set of songs and go okay where's where is the emphasis when you mm -hmm. add up these five songs? Like how many songs are about, you know, power yeah, yeah. and yeah. greatness yeah. and bigness yeah. and we're going to, you know, world changingness mm -hmm. and yeah. how much is, a, is about the more earthy, humble, intimate, day-to-day -day 
sustainable. Yeah. See, I think I think I'm after something. My wife and I often talk about whatever it is we're getting into. We go, well, is this sustainable? Yeah. You know, <laughs> is this? Can we do this for the long? Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. Awesome. You're welcome. All right, let's take it to the bridge. Um, well, I don't know if anyone else saw this over Christmas. There's a brilliant documentary about Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she is, um, I've got so much respect for Dolly Parton. She's an incredible, incredible artist. Um, and she said a couple of things about songwriting because primarily she would see herself as a songwriter. And, you know, she's written, I can't remember, I think it's like 3,000 songs. She's an incredible, incredible songwriter. And she said a couple of things that I thought would be really good just to share with you guys today, which are, first she said, I've never tried to write the perfect song. I write because I have to, because I want to, because I love to. Mm. And I'd firstly challenge you as a songwriter this year going into 2020, if that's what you see you want to do, you want to be a songwriter, you want to grow in this Write because you love to, because you have to, because it's part of an expression of who you are in Christ that, you know, if, if no one else ever heard that song, would you still be sitting there? The piano, the audience of one, just with God, writing that song, getting out those things that are within you. I think that is a brilliant, brilliant place to start as a songwriter. When you get rid of all the other stuff, it comes down to that. The other thing she said that I thought was... Um, really really helpful she said this uh, sort of speaking about some of her bigger songs like i will always love you such a simple song she kind of almost you know said yeah it's so basic isn't it i will always love you but she said this simplicity is always needed because the world is so complicated and i thought that was brilliant because sometimes when we try and react to the things going on in the world as a songwriter and we try and write things um, we can sometimes get overcomplicated with that and knowing how to engage with all the issues we see around us. Because what we see with some of the best worship songs is it's when a simplicity cuts through all the complications mm. and just helps us to engage and connect again um, at a deep level. And I'd really encourage us this year, as we see all these complications around us, think about simplicity as a songwriter. What's the simple message that from start to finish, this song says this, and it's going to help other people to say something really simply amongst all the complicated stuff we see in the world. Hey, well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, do subscribe, give us a rating. If you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at worshipcentral.org. Next month, we're going to be looking at six hot topics around worship. So send in your questions. We can't wait for that. But have a great month and we'll see you soon.